0: plushcare.com slash welcome to clash of the titles
3: the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head to head to see which one does it better on this week's episodes In the red corner, we're heading to Westerberg High School in Sherwood, Ohio, where a group of girls known as the Heathers are the Queen Bees, the top of the food chain, the most powerful clique or click in the school. Yes, it's time to row out to the middle of a lake with a bottle of tequila, my sacks and some Bach. It's going to be very... From 1989, it's cult classic, Heathers.
0: (laughs)
1: I wanted to be a member of the most powerful clique in school. Dear diary, Heather said she teaches people real life. You were nothing before you met me. You were a Girl Scout cookie. Does it not bother you that everybody in this school thinks that you're a Veronica? Like, I give a shit.
0: Heather number one just looked right at me. You a Heather?
2: No, I'm a Veronica. I don't really like my friends.
1: I don't really like your friends either.
2: They're people I work with, and our job is being popular.
1: Maybe it's time to take a vacation. I just killed my best friend. And your worst enemy. Same difference.
3: While in the blue corner, we're heading to North Shore High School in Everston, Illinois, where a group of girls known as the Plastics are the Queen Bees, the top of the food chain, the most powerful clique or click in the school. Yes, it's time to stop trying to make Fetch happen. It's not going to happen. From 2004, it's so Fetch. It's mega hit Mean Girls. <laughs>
0: We have a new student with us. She just moved here from Africa.
1: Welcome. I'm from Michigan. Great. I'm 16. Until today, I was homeschooled. And then it was goodbye Africa. And hello, high school. Hi, I'm Katie. I'm Janice. This is Damien. Watch out, new meat coming through. This map shows the school's central nervous system, the cafeteria.
0: You got your cool Asians, burnouts, jocks, the greatest people you will ever meet, and the worst.
1: So you've never been to a real school before? Shut up. Shut up! and did say anything. Plastics. <laughs> Who are the plastics?
4: 13 royalty.
1: That's Karen Smith. She is one of the dumbest girls you will ever meet. I'm kind of psychic. Really? It's like I have ESPN or something. Gretchen Wieners. She has two Fendi purses and a silver Lexus. And evil takes a human form in Regina George. She knows everything about everyone. That's why her hair is so big. It's full of secrets. We want to invite you to have lunch with us. Regina seems sweet. Get in, loser. We're going shopping. Your house is really nice. I know, right? Being with the plastics was like leaving the actual world. And entering girl world.
3: So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles.
0: Release the Kraken.
3: Greetings and salutations, Clash Clashpodders. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly, and just to be absolutely sure, you are sticking with Chris Tilly as your name for the moment, Chris. I only ask because I noticed on Twitter that your niece has started referring to you as Uncle Tim. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I
4: have to say, I like it, Uncle Tim. I don't. I, did, I I don't like it. I asked her who Uncle Tim was. She said you. Your <laughs> <in>. <laughs> uh,
2: How old is she? Was she twenty eight now, twenty nine?
4: <laughs> She's pushing three, and um,
2: <laughs>
4: it, I mean, it was funny at first. Now it is getting to me a little bit, but
3: <laughs> oh. uh, I, I quite like the fact that um, one of your followers, uh, a guy called Dan, said, "Ooh, you could go for Little Timmy Tilly," which also tickled me. Little Timmy Tilly, no. No, that's not
4: catching on. Call me call me
2: Great.
3: Chris call me Chris Thrilly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh okay. Uh, well, uh, this is Victoria and this is the artist formerly known as Chris Tilly. Now Chris Thilly. Uh, Thrilly. Um right. Heathers versus Mean Girls. Uh, These were my choices this week. Um, Initial reactions to these choices. Don't think about it. Just say the first thing that comes into your head. Victoria. Uh, Thrilled and scared. (laughs) Okay. Chris. Oh, you are needy, Alex.
4: I-, I liked your choices, Alex, okay? I enjoyed them.
2: <laughs> it's all good. It's so needy, isn't it, Vicky? Yeah, you did What do you think that. of my
4: choices?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it all right, Uncle Tim? Did you like it?
3: <laughs> yeah, you thought I was bad before isolation. I've become a monster <laughs> over here. Um, right. Uh the clue that I gave uh you, dear Clash on Twitter uh was American high school is awful unless you're one of the popular kids. Our continuing resource for future Clash pairings has delivered this this week. Uh, Peter Robson says the faculty versus Carrie. I like that combo. I haven't seen the faculty in years. I think that's nice. Guys? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, Einsteinium says, 10 things I hate about you versus Clueless. Good pairing, I would, high school yeah, movies. Yeah, I'd love to do yeah. that. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah, based on classic literature. Uh, Paul Logue says, Degrassi Jr. High, the movie, versus Grange Hill, the movie. Um <laughs> There is a Grange Hill the movie. Um, it's basically uh, the plot of Ghost, but instead of Patrick Swayze it's Zamo, so uh, that's uh, that's a possibility. Uh, that's a very niche reference. And finally, we've got a new listener in Reese Page. Uh, do you want to say hello to Reese? Hi, Reese. Hi, Reese. Great. Uh, he said, uh, I think it's Mean Girls versus Clueless, but my wife thinks it's The Breakfast Club versus Pretty in Pink. Uh, you were mm. closer, Reese. Uh, we had a couple of right answers this week. Uh, this is the C, Kirsten Ellen Hoyle, uh, but first in was Joe. So, Weldon, Joe, in lieu of an actual prize. And to quote Thanos, or at least paraphrase him, you have our respect, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um let's do connections then. What do you think the connection is between these two movies? Who'd like to start?
2: I will start. I've got uh can I do I've got three. Can I just do all my three at once? Yes. Yeah, I'll take that as a yes. Okay. The protagonist vomits at a party. Lame. Um representing Africa as a country, not a continent. School canteens are terrifying.
3: <laughs> okay. Three solid ones there, Chris. Thanks. Uh, Mrs. Waters is a
4: good one that I didn't realise until doing my research. Yes, go on. So uh, the writer of Heather's is Daniel Waters, and his brother, Mark Waters, directed Mean Girls.
2: No, yes, of course. (laughs) No, wait, So just to clarify, I I knew that, but (laughs) I didn't know they were brothers.
4: Yeah, isn't that incredible? I I had no idea that that they they should both make two such similar films. I wonder if when when he was shooting Mean Girls, if he he told Daniel what
3: he was up to and Daniel wanted to have a word. (laughs) I already did that. (laughs) It's funny because Michael Lerman, who did direct Heathers uh, said that uh, they inquired about him directing Mean Girls. Uh, and he said he said he wasn't sure if he was being offered it or it was just an inquiry. And he said, no, why would I want to do that? I already made that movie. He does go on to say, I think Mean Girls is terrific. It's not Heathers. It's Heathers-esque. It's influenced by it, but, but uh, borrows a lot of stuff from it, but is closer to the John Hughes world, which Heathers set out to uh, undo. Um, So I've got a couple of connections uh, for you. Uh, One is sort of more leaning towards Vicky's uh, thought process, which is that both films show the lead's redemption by having her be very nice to an overweight girl.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Uh, And both have been turned into successful stage musicals. Um, Mean Girls is a musical um, which is opening in the West End next year. Uh, So my actual connection is quite a personal one. I wasn't popular in school because I was the only pupil out of 2000 who carried a briefcase. And therefore, I love movies where the cool kids are taken down, (laughs) uh, which I've shortened to try and make more general uh, and less personal, so this doesn't turn into a week of therapy for me. Just because you're the cool kids, you don't have to be cruel kids. Am I right, guys? <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good.
2: That is good. Yeah.
4: By the way, Vicky, that's... did you know that Alex had a briefcase at school? It never, it never seems yeah. to come up. <laughs>
2: It's so, I am, you should see my face, I'm so shocked because you would never, if you've known him for any length of time, he's, it's not a story he's ever shared with me, to be honest, no, it really isn't. It's not like it's something he said when I first met him and has repeated, I would say at least every six months in the intervening period. So I've heard that story, let's just do the math. 40 times. <laughs>
3: Listen, it's it's a difficult time to be making new memories at the moment. I can't can't help it. Uh, uh, So um, what what should we do? Shall we do um, uh, your introduction uh, to Heathers then, Chris? Because I gave Victoria Mean Girls. I gave you Heathers. um, We do it chronologically. So without further ado, Christopher, take us on a journey. Heathers is a film that
4: gently fucks the audience with a chainsaw by making fun of bullying and bulimia and mass shootings and rape and murder and cow tipping and suicide. Winona Ryder and Christian Slater play Veronica and JD, a pair of star-crossed lovers who bump off the bullies at their school, most of whom are called Heather. They start by poisoning the head Heather with drain cleaner and making it look like suicide. They then shoot a pair of jocks, making that look like a suicide pact. But their actions backfire, their victims turning into martyrs and becoming more powerful in death. So JD tricks the whole school into signing a mass suicide note before adempt- attempting to blow the place up. But he fails, Veronica sees the error of her ways, and the film ends on a weirdly optimistic note. Discuss. <coughs>
2: has a body count this is a tragic thing
3: hallelujah
0: we scare people into not being assholes what did you say dickhead
2: (laughs) (laughs) i
1: did not want them dead you did too did not not shut up
4: i love my dead gay son
1: out of control that knife is filthy what do you think i'm gonna do with it take out her tonsils
0: ha! Is this as good for you as it is for me Fly that's it we're breaking up
4: so what is your relationship with this film uh vicky
2: uh, uh it's the second time i saw it in the week uh, the first time I saw it, I just thought That's, uh, that was weird. Um, and the second time I saw it, I thought I was slightly more annoyed by it this time. Um, I can see why it's a cult classic. I, I do have a lot of love for it, but I just found it a, a very strange journey. Interesting.
4: How old were you, would you say, when you saw it the first time?
2: Oh, I was older. I would have been like 18, 19. So sort of past the point of being um, feeling exposed because of what it reveals about high school necessarily.
3: Alex mm. 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 I'm stroking um, I'm stroking my beard uh, That was Thoughts provoking um, Yeah I um, I watched it I know exactly where I was When I watched it Which uh, tends to be When a film has quite an impact On me So I was on holiday um, In Scotland uh, On the banks of a lock And um, my family Who I was with Had gone to bed I was about 10, 10 years old And they'd gone to bed And I stayed up And watched Heather's And I felt very rebellious staying up past my bedtime to watch Heathers, uh, so I identified a lot with JD, uh, which didn't happen so much this time round. But I remember not having seen anything like it before, like aware when I was watching it at 10 years old that this was something fucking nuts. And (laughs) I watched it again this time, and I still have never seen anything like it but a little bit like Vicky, I have more reservations. First time round, blew my mind, loved it, and therefore it filled that gap, which it fills for a lot of people of this cult classic. This time, I have questions. (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm being, I, I was skirting around saying the obvious, which is a really shallow response. But the first time I watched it, I really fancied JD and the second time I didn't. And therefore I didn't like it as <laughs> much. <more. laughs>
3: I, so I thought like, literally, I the first time I watched it, I was like, I want to be him. He's the coolest thing I've ever seen in, in, in a movie ever. I was like, this guy is Brilliant. And that quote I just gave at the start about taking a bottle oh of tequila my God. <laughs> to the middle of the lake with his sacks and some buck. I was like, who was I at 10 years old? That I didn't hear that and go, I'm wrong. This guy is the worst.
2: Uh, it worked on me. I was like, wow, we could roll out? And listen. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. But then you watch it now and it's like, shut up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you are the worst. Hey, get Ram and Kurt in. They seem more fun. Exactly. <laughs> Oh,
4: Alex. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, I really did love him. Like, uh, like I think I based a lot of my style and identity
4: around JD as a child. Yeah, and certainly initially in the film, you're supposed to love him. I mean, he 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 is supposed to be uh, likable and cool, and uh, I, I think that's just good, right? But we, we can get onto that. Um, yeah, I have lots to say about JD. Uh, mine's mine similar to your experience with Alex I can remember the first time hearing about it was reading a review in maybe the first issue of Empire I ever bought which was issue two and I think it was coming out on video and (laughs) I remember (laughs) I remember
3: that review being like I'm
2: sorry it's that level of detail that I I miss when I don't speak to you for a week
3: (laughs) but and you can tell that there's an undercurrent of Absolute annoyance that he doesn't have issue one, that he didn't start at the very start. Annoyingly, it was issue two. Yeah, I blame them though,
4: because I think they put Dennis Quaid as Jerry Lee Lewis on the cover of issue one. Who's buying that?
2: You're kidding, you are killing me. Issue two was
4: Batman and Indiana Jones and Ghostbusters on the cover. That's the issue. Oh, I see. I see.
3: (laughs) Idiots. Oh
4: dear. Um, and so, yeah, I think my experience was similar to you, Alex. That I loved it when I was a kid, but I was probably too young to really understand a lot of what was going on. Uh, shocked by a lot of the humor in it, probably confused by some of the humor, <laughs> not really understanding what the joke was, but laughing because it made me feel grown yeah. up.
3: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And I, I think a lot of people and me included watched this and didn't sort of see it as a satire like I didn't understand what satire was at 10 years old when I watched this so it was just like these characters weren't mocking like the traditional high school movie they were just kind of cool weird characters in this film
2: yeah that's exactly what I thought I didn't really realise what it was meant to be until I watched it this week I just thought it was like oh wouldn't it be like a a wish fulfilment Like, wouldn't it be good to be able to do that at school?
3: Yes. Yeah. And for wrong or for right, mainly for wrong, the bit where he pulls a gun out in the canteen and shoots blanks at those guys. I was like, yes, I'm going (laughs) to do that when I get bullied in school, which I never did. So, and also that's the film's fault, not mine.
4: (laughs) Uh, and I revisited this two years ago, uh, almost exactly because Michael Lehman was over to promote um, uh, the Arrow Blu-ray release of this with a bunch of new extras. So I interviewed him, which means I've got some, I've got some good quotes from him. Actually, I was able to put some of my questions about the film to the man himself. Great. Um, but let's go into a bit of the background of the film. So it's written by Dan Waters, who's, who's all over that Arrow disc and he's, he's an interesting character. He's a very funny bloke. Um, he decided to write a high school movie uh, for Stanley Kubrick. That was his plan um, because he went through Stanley Kubrick's back catalogue. He hadn't done a high school movie. He thought it was, it, it was time. Um, and so he wrote it based on what he'd witnessed at high school. He said he wasn't the class geek, even though he comes across as the class geek, if I'm honest, in all these interviews. But he had his own satirical column in the school paper called Troubled Waters. Um, which he claims <laughs>
1: <laughs> he claims that
4: gave him some celebrity and cachet, but I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, uh, and so he'd written the script. He gave it to his friend, Larry Karaszewski, who is a really uh, great screenwriter. He co-wrote Edward, Man on the Moon. Just recently he did Dolomite Is My Name. They're best mates. He was at film school with Michael Lehman, who had just done a short movie called The Beaver Gets a Boner. <laughs> um which I watched, that's on the Arrow Disc. And it's very funny. It's um the the beaver in question is actually the mascot of the American football team at the school, rather than anything ruder. Uh but yeah, it's it's I mean, it's sort of brash and obnoxious. It's very much uh, John Waters uh homage that short film is. And you can see some of I think there's bits of John Waters uh, pulled into Heathers as well. And so um Walter said that Stanley Kubrick didn't get back to him when he sent him his 250-page script. Um <laughs> uh but Michael Lehman did and Lehman said to me he said I felt that the John Hughes movies as good as they were were also in a way uh, in a safe and conventional in their portrayal of adolescence and teenage life. They were really good, but my experience of high school had been much darker and Dan's script reflected a much darker vision. Um but he said he, he read that first draft, which was 250 pages. Um, he said it was it had a lot more murders. Um, <laughs> the murders were funnier in that. It had more social satire. But he said the big difference was Veronica was much more complicit and much less sympathetic.
3: It's an interesting point, that. I think he compared her to Travis Bickle, didn't he? He said she was much more like Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. And I think part of – which we'll get onto to – part of the problem with this movie – is the fact that they've kept some elements of her being complicit, but tried to soften her. I think he said that when he met Renona Ryder, because of her warmth as an actress, he started to rewrite the character as a much warmer character. But I think like you get two different Veronicas at various points in this film, which doesn't entirely work for me um but very quickly on the dan waters thing like i know we were talking about him recently when we did demolition man mm. um, i didn't realize then that he'd also written heathers and i didn't realize until that we were doing um i was doing my research for this batman returns um is that that's dan waters i had no mm. bloody idea and i when i sort of realized that i was like yes of course it is because batman returns is like the heathers of that original batman series and I kept thinking about, you know, in Batman Returns, where the Ice Queen or the Ice Princess dies, like the the good-looking, popular girl who's meant to turn on the wholesome Christmas lights and then is on top of the building and Batman doesn't save her and she falls to her death. And in doing so, her body turns on the lights. I remember <laughs> as a kid going that's horrible why is that in this movie like batman should have saved her what is this film in the same way when the first heather Cox it in this i'm like what is happening so i get that now i get it a lot uh
4: in terms of the casting um drew barrymore uh came in to read for veronica but she was too young uh they decided um dan waters wanted jennifer connelly uh new world offered it to justine bateman who who'd been on family ties but she passed on it and um winona rider really went after it she was obsessed with it they'd um been, they'd had her recommended by the screenwriter of beetlejuice um they'd seen her in a couple of teen movies and um she got
3: the role did you see the, the quote that dan waters said about when they about casting her when he was told that they were going to go with winona Ryder? I, I mean, he said a couple of unpleasant things about her, was it that yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, but he said it recently. I'm like what uh so it was quite i just was like it's kind of f- funny like they did um uh, they did interviews for the um for the recent this is recently um the the blu ray release, and he was like uh he said i we don't she's just not that attractive, <laughs> which is a, a hell of a statement and not true, yeah, I write.
4: He was referring to her teen movies but she made before this one, though, um, where he said he, right, he Lucas, keeps saying that yeah. she wasn't very, very good-looking. That's his sort of... Yeah, whatever, Dan. Um, yeah. Heather Graham <laughs> was up for the head, Heather. Uh, They really wanted her. But interestingly, her father is an FBI agent, and um, he said he thought the script was satanic, so she didn't take the role.
3: (laughs) Yeah, 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 because Michael Lehman actually sat down with um, her and her parents and tried to convince them that they weren't, in his words, the tools of Satan, but they would have nothing to do with it. He said he really tried. He begged her because her reading was so good, but no dice.
2: There's a there's a film idea in there somewhere, I think, about trying to convince Heather Graham's dad about satanic panic and that he's, he might have it wrong. I don't know.
4: Well, a couple of years yeah. later, Heather Graham appeared in something that I think genuinely was satanic because she's in Twin Peaks. So she got her <laughs> way in the end. Mm-hmm. Um I- I spoke to Michael Lehman about some other casting as well. He said, we decided to put together a table read. So we just gathered actors we knew and friends that we had to read the roles. And an actress named Stacey Travis brought this young kid from her class, a good looking kid. He cold read the part of JD at the table read. And years later, I found out it was Brad Pitt. Uh, I have a tape of it. He said, "Um, not only can I remember, because I said, was he any good? He said, not only can I remember if he was good, I can listen to it whenever I want. And I asked him if he would (laughs) let me listen to it. And he said, no. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> but um obviously christian slater got the role he was he was um they liked him from in the name of the rose um and lehman said to me oh that-
3: shit in the name of the rose i totally forgot about that film. we have to do that sorry side side note that's a great that's a great future clash pod he no, said something sorry.
4: quite funny to me. He said, uh, the role on the page was a little bit hard to conceive. Was the guy supposed to look like James Dean and be your archetypal teenage bad boy? Or was he supposed to be more unhinged? How would that play? I thought Christian brought a good interpretation to it. Maybe a bit more Nick- Jack Nicholson than I would have expected.
2: Shit. <laughs> no shit. My God. Uh,
4: <laughs> but, but he says, and, and, and they all say this about him, uh, that is Christian. That's how he is. Uh, but what I liked is that he was appealing and menacing at the same time without being your cliche juvenile delinquent teenage bad boy Mm.
2: yeah i don't know i think there's it's virgin on copyright infringement the jack nicholson stuff like is he related (laughs) unless he's related to him in some sort of loose hollywood way if i was jack nicholson i'd be like what the fuck do you think you're doing
3: like it's out of chinatown it's unbelievable." It's but incredible. he does say, I mean, Christian Slater himself does say, I, <laughs> and he chose his words carefully. He was like, Yeah, I was channeling Jack Nicholson. You're like, mm-hmm. channeling? Channeling Copying. Is a very, <laughs> yeah. It's a an, It's another C word. Uh, yeah.
4: <laughs> but he, I mean, he does sound like Jack Nicholson in real life as well. Do you think that's sort of put on?
3: Uh, I think honestly. I, yeah, I I didn't when I saw this. I I don't think I was aware of Jack Nicholson age ten uh, that much. So I, this is I've this is I've re- re- I've reverse engineered my opinion having read other people comparing it, and now I see him as Jack Nicholson. But I don't know. I don't think it's that bad. I do. I think there are some lines that, if you closed your eyes, you wouldn't know
2: because it's a mimicry. And there are some lines that he delivers where he sounds like a man who sounds a bit like Jack Nicholson, and that's fine. But there is there are just some lines where it's like it's so similar, it's dis- it's ridiculous. In fact,
4: hmm. uh, should we talk about the movie then? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know try and I try and you know pick four or five of the best scenes to focus on. But I found with this one that every scene has something. There might not be big scenes, but every scene's got a, lot, a memorable line or a moment. I think it's very well um sort of structured this film, but it kicks off there's a lot of stuff in the first ten minutes, so we it, we start off with the with a croquet match
3: um between I, the can, heathers can I, did you a croquet is so often used to uh, <laughs> tell you that uh, people people are posh in films. It's like <laughs> this posh sport, like uh, especially in in American movies. It's like they're playing croquet that they're posh. I I feel like by now, even through osmosis. I should know the rules of croquet but it's <laughs> still to me the most bewildering sport yeah. ever like even though you just sort of go right croquet posh got it and at no yeah. point you go what on earth are they doing what's, what's we, going um, on
2: when we were watching the scene so I was sat next to Mark and he went oh so I suppose you don't know how to play croquet and I thought we were sharing a laugh <laughs> as in like neither of us would know because why the fuck would we know something like that so I laughed with him like oh he's being nice I was like oh yeah yeah no of course I do and he he was like no i'm being serious because i do i was like what and it's something that he used to play on the lawn at his aunt's cottage i was like you, you think you know someone you think you know
0: them? i know it's ridiculous so i was like
2: what are the rules of this oh, anyway
3: I love the fact that that, that story started with oh we, we I thought we'd have a laugh together I thought he was being nice <laughs> no he
2: wasn't <laughs> any opportunity for a dig he never lets up <laughs> I uh, I used to play
4: croquet for the county oh,
2: of God course sake. You did. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well
2: me and Alex were busy playing knock-a-door run you yeah, <laughs>
3: run. We, we were well, we, well, we were playing kick the can on the back street <laughs>
4: I didn't really. I was just trying to see if you'd actually believe that. I did believe
2: you. (laughs) Um,
4: And so we meet the colour-coded Heathers. Uh, We've got Heather Chandler, played by Kim Walker, who's in red, which represents her power. You've got Heather Duke, who's played by Shannon Doherty, Doherty, and she's in green, which represents her envy. And Heather McNamara, who's played by Lisanne Falk, who's in yellow, which represents her cowardice um and they wear those colors throughout the film so it's it's very heavily stylized this whole film um the costumes the sets um everything's a bit too cool for school the the set designer on on the on the blu-ray says she was going for death by sarcasm with the look of the film um (laughs) and she wanted everything to be an eye roll um but how do you think this the fashion in this film has dated I think I think everyone looks great.
2: They look amazing, <laughs> amazing. I was really stunned because I've it takes a while to sort of appreciate. Obviously, very late eighties, but normally when you see that, so you just like I would never. I, you know, it must have been itchy and uncomfortable, and it looks bonkers. But everyone looks fantastic.
3: Mm. Any one of those heathers could be a future Halloween costume for me. So I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise how much I'd missed the Swatch Watch until
4: it it mentioned in this film.
2: Agreed. <laughs> that was such a big deal. When I got my first Swatch Watch, man, I'd made it.
3: No. And, oh, and look at you now Yeah, I, I dreamed of having a Swatch watch <laughs> We used to look at people with Swatch watch go, one day Maybe <laughs> um, And the shoulder pads, Vicky Would you have been a
4: shoulder pad person, do you think?
2: In the 80s, yeah. um, Any anything to scare men, yeah, sure
4: It's a power <laughs> move, isn't
2: it? <laughs> yeah, for sure
3: <laughs> of course you would. I mean, you'd be a terrifying woman in the 80s. You'd have shoulder pads like, so wide that you could, but the, the edges touch door frames as you walk through.
4: But, um, in this scene, you notice in the background, the Shannon Doherty um, Heather is reading Moby Dick. And, and the reason mm. for that is because they couldn't get the rights to catch her in the Rye. Um, which they all, they all agreed would have made a lot more sense in in the
3: context of the film. She's great in the uh, Shannon uh, Doty. Um, they, they they talk about her a lot uh, in interviews. I wonder, did Michael Lehman mention her at all? Did you ask him about her, her when you interviewed him? I didn't know. Oh yeah, he said that she came in and she was fantastic, uh, but she wanted to play Veronica because uh, obviously she was quite a big star already, at least in TV terms. I mean, she'd been on Little House of the Prairie and and uh, Our House. Uh, it was her uh, the a show she was starring in, but uh, but they said to her, like the casting director said to her, "We've already cast uh, Winona," and they told Michael Lehman this, and he uh, they were like, "We've told her that Winona's playing Veronica." And uh, he was like, yeah, she said, she said she knew that, but she was willing to read the part of Heather Duke, but she wants you to know it's not the part she wants. <laughs> um, and then Dan Waters chimes in with, she wanted to be the lead Heather and Veronica too and JD. <laughs> 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 um, but she's reading uh, Moby
4: Dick and she's reading it for the whole film until uh, she becomes the hot, the top dog herself. And then she stops reading it. She's got no interest in learning anymore. And that's because the idea, I think, there is her character has caught her white whale, which is to be the head heather. And so she
3: has no need for education anymore. Agreed. Uh, Yes, I, too, wrote that down in notes that I have no need to show you.
4: Um, uh, And at the end of that scene, uh, Veronica is in the ground uh, with her head poking out and they are firing balls at her. And so suddenly we're in this heightened reality which kind of tells you that this isn't your average uh, teen movie. And I think that by pulling the rug out from under you so early in this film, it kind of keeps you on guard for the rest of the movie because they do throw in uh, dream sequences and flights of fancy all the way through.
2: Yeah, I didn't. Re- I see that now, but when I watched it for the first time, I thought they were literally using her head. Do you know what I mean? Like a sort of. Um, it wasn't heightened are, reality. No, no, I know they are, but do you know what I mean? As in. It, more realistic more I don't know, what am I trying to say that it's a real world scenario where they've they've dug a hole that's person sized and to be able mm. to fire balls at Veronica's head. not like this is something we could do, but we are doing it in a sort of very realistic way. I don't know,
3: yeah, I see what you mean. They've taken something that in an, another film would be a fantasy and gone we're putting those fantasy elements into the real world. so in our movie, this is actually happening, right? yeah, yes. Right, I agree with
4: Victoria. (laughs) And then we're into the uh, cafeteria scene, which Waters uh, said he envisioned as being like the Godfather wedding sequence. He wanted it, I think in his original (laughs) script, it lasted for 20 minutes. I think it lasts a bit too long in this version, to be honest. It's
2: far too
3: long.
4: um, It's a way of introducing the characters and the cliques um, in a way that a lot of teen movies have done since, including uh, Mean Girls, which we'll talk about on the next episode. Um, but in, in his head, in Water's head, sort of high high school is this microcosm of society, and he's introducing all these different um, elements in society via uh, the lunchtime poll that the heathers are going around uh, doing, dishing out. Um, and at the same time, we find out that Veronica um, is good at faking people's handwriting, and so in an act
3: of really <laughs> which is unple- amazing. For someone whose own handwriting is utterly unintelligible scrawl, which I'm again assuming is a joke, but it's, I, 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 because obviously she's wearing a monocle and a kimono as she's writing her diary. So you're guessing this is like, this is already a bit mad, but like her writing is just ridiculous her writing is ridiculous and, and and in this scene we also
4: get a lot of i mean it's very quotable film isn't it it's almost like it's been written in a, in a he he dadworth clearly spent a lot of time on this script i think years and years getting it just right and and um what is your damage heather fuck me gently with a chainsaw they all want me as a friend <laughs> or a fuck like everyone <laughs> speaks in these
3: very quotable um lines he, well he said he he said, he said it's embarrassing um in an interview it's embarrassing that people love the lines in this because i stole most of them um i used to work as a camp counselor uh, what's your damage came from one of my little camper girls jamie who used to say it all the time one of my college friends used to say fuck me gently with a crowbar and then I realized crowbar sounded too masculine, chainsaw was more feminine, so I changed it. So, so he said, Yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm pleased you said what? You know, when you're reading something, you just sort of go, Uh huh, yep, cool, 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 chainsaw. Chainsaw more feminine. Gotcha. Uh, but then I sort of reread it. I went, I went, how is it? No, it's it's not. <laughs> and it was Dan
4: Water's sister who, when she was at high school, um, could fake other people's handwriting to forge letters. So he just nicked that from a, his own sister. Uh, and we also meet Jason Dean, aka JD, uh, in a none too subtle <laughs> allusion to James Dean. So he's played by Christian Slater, as we've said. And he's he, so hot. He
3: does seem like the perfect boy at first, doesn't he? <laughs> um, but as as Dan Water said, Greed, was, I mean. Gr- gr- Greetings and salutations. The minute that comes out of his mouth, I, I, I was like, cool, definitely. I, I think I, <laughs> I definitely probably said that as a kid after I saw him say it. In hindsight, not really that cool. Kind of annoying and long. Like, get on with it. Uh, yeah, but it it makes me feel
2: embarrassed because it, sh- it shines such a harsh light on what, like, teenage me thought was attractive and that <laughs> 20, 28, I'm not 28, 38 year old me is mortified by like all you had to do like was look underneath your fringe at someone and the affectations at sensitivity like I like bark like come on and just to speak very slowly and a sort of drawl and to pretend to be disinterested but disinterested flip into like extremely intense and I was like oh my god I'd do anything for that boy and then it's years later it's so cringy and so he's He's not, he's not appealing to me at all, but then he's not supposed to be appealing to a, an old maid like me anymore. But at the time... Did you just refer to yourself as an old maid? I am an old maid. It oh. doesn't matter what you say. I feel so old.
3: No, you are. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I, uh, I mean, no, I'm the same as you, Victoria. Like I, I saw that trench coat and I went, um going to get one of those, going to wear one of those. And did. I wore a long trench coat regardless of the weather, just like JD. And Columbo, yeah. I'm not sure where it came from. It I mean, the what two. they were going for is is is
4: what they were watching Dan Wallace was watching teen movies, watching the cool kid in those movies, and realizing that to behave in the way that guy's behaving, you'd have to be a psychopath. And so yeah. he kind of worked it back from there. That that slowly but surely, it, we see his ego, his moral superiority, uh, 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 and and it becomes clear that he's a cold-blooded killer. And, and it's funny, yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, something that it, it did actually remind me a bit of was um, a film that we've done before as American Psycho in, in the approach it takes to this kind of subject matter where, you know, all charm on the surface and underneath is the psycho, but also the kind of blackly humorous approach to dealing with a character like this. I yeah. still
3: thought he was cool on this rewatch. Um, like there was a little, there was a little a, a dent in the armor when he went row out to the middle of a lake with some tequila and my sacks. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, Maybe i thought he said I'll sex. that one. <laughs> so <threw> because
2: <laughs> of his, because of his Jack Nicholson impression, I thought he said row out into the middle of a lake with some sex. And I was like, Oh yeah, great. Oh no, that's not what, you, that isn't what you meant at all.
3: <laughs> Have you ever made love to Bach? It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, and then, but the bit in this, this in this rewatch, the bit where I went, oh, well, fuck off, JD, is when he's trying to force himself on Winona Ryder in mm. his home after he's because I think it's the same scene where he shoots the radio. And I'm not gonna lie, I I once threw a remote at a fun, functioning TV, um, and I didn't think the TV would shatter. But it did. And I still went, that's annoying. And yet, pretty cool, because JD shoots a radio in Heathers. So I'm a bit like JD. So that's how much of an effect he had on me. When did you do this? Like maybe four years ago, uh, we? I didn't like so- I've had I had had wine. I, I watched <laughs> it just sort of in the cold light of day. Threw a we? remote at TV. We? I didn't like something that happened on TV. I cannot remember what. And I threw a remote at it. You know, flat screen TVs should come with like a, a manual that says, "Very fragile screens. Don't throw remotes at them." So was this anyways, at home, Alex? Yes, this was at home. See, it was at like least red stars house. do it
4: in hotels and do it on other people's property. You did it on your own property. I'm only a
3: rock star in my own home.
2: (laughs) I'm just pleased you did it because you were annoyed, not because you were trying to get off with someone. That would be worse if you were like, yeah, watch this.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck a frog in the (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, let's pretend that wasn't the situation.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: He just says, how many holes does a straw have? Zero, one, or two.
3: The internet can't figure it out, so I've done what any sane person would do. Ask the Luke
4: and the Pete. Join me, Pete Donaldson, and Luke Moore for an unplanned half hour
3: every Monday and Thursday as we talk about, well, anything really, from your emails to life's great mysteries to this guy.
0: The noise you're going to hear sounds like a man being interrupted by a car. He isn't being interrupted by the car. He is making
3: making the car sound
0: See,
2: man, <laughs> <laughs> how on earth is he
4: doing that beep, 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 beep. how does he make that noise listen now on apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcasts beep, 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 beep.
1: the luke and pete show is a stokano production
4: Let's jump to the full, the first murder, um, because um, Veronica's had a very unpleasant um, experience at the Remington party, uh, surrounded by very rapey college
3: guys, um, <laughs> and it, it's something of a nightmare that sequence. And so, oh, but it's, it's got one of the best lines in it, where the guy goes, "It's great to talk to a girl and not have to ask what major <laughs> she's doing," and then he immediately runs out of things to say and goes, "So when you do go to college, what do you think you'll study?"
4: It's very good. Very Funny, very funny. Um, and so she starts telling uh, JD about the horrible experience she has, and she says that she starts talking about murder. She says she'd like to see Heather Chandler puke her guts up. Um, JD picks up the drain cleaner, which he calls Big Blue, and um, Veronica accidentally takes the wrong cup upstairs to Heather, uh, the one containing the actual poison, not uh, milk and orange juice. Or does she like what on this watch? I w- I was starting to question what was intentional. Um, how aware, responsible Veronica was for some of this? Had she found a weak, sort of unstable boy to do her bidding? Um, th- and I was hoping the 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 commentary might shed some light on it. And although they mention that some people have a theory that Veronica is controlling the situation from the start, they don't really take it any further. I don't think they buy into it but it really could be read that way in the way she keeps suggesting things to, to JD and then she
3: pulls back, but
4: seems pretty happy when he goes through with them.
2: Yeah.
3: What are your thoughts on this, Victoria? I actually do have, I, I've, I have some thoughts on this. I, Victoria, I've... go on.
2: I, pref- I hope it is Chrisy's version because that's a bit more exciting rather than her just by the time you get to the second murder it's like you don't get it like it's you know when they're talking about um, shooting the jocks with the bullets that make you whatever it is they're not they're tranquilizer bullets or something um and she's like, yeah, yeah, cool. But, it, you know, your boyfriend saying that to you, having just poisoned someone, that's the time when you would question that. i say, oh, but do you remember the last time we tried to accidentally hurt someone and it didn't go very well? So she it's like she's not understood what he's about and that's irritating. Whereas if she's secretly in on it but doesn't want to um, put herself in the way of too much guilt or blame, that's a much smarter, funnier story.
3: I, uh, I think... You have to believe that she knows what's going on. Otherwise, she's a fairly weak protagonist because this is Veronica's story, this film, and this is the moment where she's supposed to... If she doesn't know um, and it's all JD's plan, then she's just reacting. Like, for the whole movie, she's just reactive. Like, you you need her to have, at least on some level, gone, yeah, I want to do this. This is my plan. And then you you can sort of, like design it after that, where she's like, I, you know, what, however you want to do it. But you kind of want her to be the one in control to a certain degree. But that aside, this scene is incredible. Um, I got so excited when this scene was coming at this time. I remember watching it as a kid, and this is the moment despite all that had come before, fuck me gently with a chainsaw, him with a gun firing blanks, all of that. I was still like, oh, this is a bit weird, but I'm, I, could, I could process it. At this point, I went, what the fuck am I watching? This is insane. And watching it this time. I got giddy with excitement when this bit came up and she goes headfirst through that glass coffee table. I was like, this film is brilliant all over again.
4: <laughs> and, and Heather Chandler's a great villain played by Kim Walker. And so they kill the villain off sort of 20 minutes into the film which is quite a shock. But then, of course, it, she can be replaced. That's the, that's the whole issue with the Heathers. And so it's, it's, I think it's really good writing to, to throw you off like that. But actually, once one Heather gone, another one will just pop up and another and another, and you can never get rid of them because they're universal. They're in every school, in every country, you know? Yeah. Uh, the one dark I, um... thing I did read was that um, Kim Walker, who plays Heather, who says earlier in the film, she asked Veronica, did you have a brain tumour for breakfast? She she actually died mm. of a brain tumour at 32.
2: Oh yeah. no. Oh, that's yeah. terrible.
4: So that's a bit of dark, tilly trivia there. Apologies for that. Um I like the suicide note as well. I really enjoyed the fact that they he what inspires JD is the fact that she's got um the cliff notes to the bell jar, which is just a funny idea.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: which I hadn't really clocked before. Um in school um there's a sequence coming uh, next where where um whatever veronica's going through inspires her to to go into the shower and stand there uh, with all her clothes on um and in that longer script, Dan Waters talked about the facts, and they actually shot this, that the other girls in solidarity join her in the shower fully clothed. And the mm-hmm. geeks sneak into the shower and find a hole, and they're like looking through the hole, just like in Porky's, but they're looking at fully clothed women showering and crying rather than <laughs> sort of pornography.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's great!
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's really funny. Clearly, we all think that's funny, but they watched it back and said it wasn't funny at all when you watched it, it just didn't work, and so that did make it into the film
3: it's a bit on the nose and it's a bit like we are parody yes it's parody almost be it's parody it's you could see something like that in animal house like maybe or but yeah yeah i can see why they didn't put it in it's around this point in the movie that Veronica says something interesting. She, she, she basically. I think I struggled with what, what Veronica wanted to happen, like mm. at various points in this movie. I think that's the one thing that I got a bit lost with was what is what's her plan. And she says one line in the movie, which I feel needed to be emphasised elsewhere because it was the moment I went, "Oh, okay, so that's what this is about." And she says, "I just want my high school to be a nice place." Yeah, and I was like. Right. So that's what, from all of this, that's your, that's your goal because, uh, and then it sort of gets cloudy again. I don't know what you thought of that.
2: I think she's, but if, if the high high school as society, I think she's supposed to represent the masses so she just wants a. she just wants things to be nice and she she sometimes falls in with the wrong thing and she sometimes falls in with the popular thing she sometimes does something that she knows is wrong like when she writes the note that's meant to be from the popular boy to Martha and then that embarrasses Martha she does it because she doesn't want to be cast out but she knows it's wrong so she sort of represents like the middle road the middle way which is why I think she sort of flip-flops about a bit because she's sort of uh malleable because she's uh meant to be i don't know like populist maybe
3: right right i can see that yeah uh
4: we've got the first of a couple of funerals next which are both brilliant scenes in the first one the priest yeah. is blaming mtv <laughs> video games um and i love the fact that i which i hadn't really clocked before you know when you're at a funeral and you go up to the casket, you've got your back to the congregation, but here everyone's facing the congregation when they speak because it's all a big show. Hmm. Um, you've got the editor of the school paper stands over the um, dead body and says, "Dear God, please don't let this happen to me, as I don't think I could handle suicide." Um, that actor <laughs> committed suicide uh, a few years later. No,
3: oh yeah. my God, more what? A yeah. Chilly trivia is incredibly dark
4: this week. Apologies, but, uh, thank it's you. Dark for... trivia for a dark film, but I'm just stating mm. the facts. Um, followed by one of the jocks saying jesus christ in heaven why did you have to kill such hot snatch um <laughs> <laughs> a
3: bit disrespectful but quite funny um, interesting that was um, it's um, it's ram uh, who says that um, <laughs> he uh there was an interview with him recently. He said everyone uh, on set, the actor who played him, everyone on set stayed in their clique. So I was kind of a jerk through the whole shoot. Me and the other guys were sending inappropriate notes to Shannon and the other girls in character between takes. Sexually inappropriate notes that a high schooler might send. Probably wouldn't be able to do that now. That was probably uh, <laughs> probably very of the time, being able to send inappropriate notes on a set. I was in character! <laughs> <laughs> Um, and those uh, jocks uh, pretend
4: that they've had a sword fight in Veronica's mouth, which is a fantastic choice of words. Um, sounds unpleasant for everyone involved.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it sounds uh, unpleasant okay. for everyone.
4: I don't know who gets anything out of, of that. No <laughs> 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 one's having a good time there, surely. Um, and so we've got the the murder. <laughs> we've got the murder of Curt and Ram, which. Uh, it's problematic. Uh, yeah. Um, so they pretend that the jocks were in love with each other. Um, yeah. I guess the, the idea is that they've been homophobic throughout the whole film, these two, and so they're turning them into the thing they most fear. Um, so I see that's the logic the, of I what- think that's
2: the nice... No that's the nice reading. I, this obviously it's easy to look back and judge but that's true the jokes have been homophobic so you turn them into the thing they fear but the conversation takes place between JD and Veronica who just by dint of their character so far we believe them to be like quite accepting quite progressive um all the rest of it. And it's the bit with the mineral water where they're like JD's like I'm going to dress the set to make to make them look gay basically. Um and the mineral water joke is I think is funny but if you've earned it. With respect or with representation, there isn't any positive representation of um, gay people in this film. So you haven't earned that joke. You can't do it. You can't have your two lead characters be basically as homophobic as the people that you are taking the piss out of.
4: Yeah, you, you know that. I've been. I would really, yeah, trying to figure this this stuff out and what I can't, what I don't like, what works. And you're absolutely right. If they if it, there's not a positive gay character in the film, and therefore. It's it's mean spirited and as cruel as the characters they're sending up. I guess.
3: Well, Veronica, Veronica does say, "Hey, a lot of people drink mineral water. It's come a long way." <laughs> it's weird that, isn't it? Like when you look at reading <laughs> yeah. it, watching it now, you're like, "Yeah, we know."
4: The joke was supposed to be Perrier, but they wouldn't. Um, Perrier wouldn't allow them to to use.
3: Well. <laughs> the thing was there had been a decline in the number of people drinking mineral water in in the US and it was only when uh, they started drinking Perrier in the late 70s to the 80s that mineral water was on the rise again so um it's it's relevant it's topical it's still offensive but it's topical so <laughs> half a point <laughs> Uh,
4: so the next funeral, we've got Veronica laughing at this funeral and the little sister of one of the guys sees her and we realise, as she does, that that she's become a monster at this point. Um, but she's still, um, but she's more frustrated about the fact that the the people she's killed have become martyrs than she is with the fact that they're dead. She, mm. She's upset that, she says, as she puts it, suicide gave Heather depth, gave Kurt a soul, gave Ram a brain. And so, um,
3: you know, what, this like the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> yeah,
2: the Wizard of Oz.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you know, the film was criticised for for glamorising suicide, but I guess the point is, no one really commits suicide in this film until the very no, end.
2: And pe- people maybe.
4: are murdered, and, it, and and as ever with satire, you know, they're sending up the way the media and the school treats the subject of suicide, rather than the you know the deaths themselves. Um, we also get a bit of background about uh, JD though as well. We meet his very strange father. There's something quite twisted about the way their roles are reversed. Um, oh,
2: but it's quite, it's, it's a really, it's a good writing because that whole thing of like, oh, hey there, son, I didn't hear you come in and like, not now, tiger, like the, the little sweet terms that they swap between father and son. On paper and the way that they do it, it should be really cute and loving and whatever. But there's so obviously something wrong with them and something missing, which obviously turns out to be a handily dead mum. Mm. But it, it's, it's it's really well done because it's really jarring, but funny and empty as well as being overtly like saccharine as well.
4: Yeah, and as you say, that we find out that his mum died by walking into a building ten minutes before his dad blew the building up. So it's all quite on the nose as we near the, the climax that's coming. <laughs> do, you know,
2: do you know what I've just remembered? I've just yeah. remembered that the first time I saw this and the second time until far too late. When he says, the last time I saw my mum, she was in a library, <laughs> sorry, I can't say, she was in a library in Texas. I thought, oh, did um, did she shoot John Kennedy?" <laughs> i thought yeah i thought he was saying she shot jfk now there is yeah was it even in texas i can't i don't know it was Um, in dallas it was in in, oh so like basically
3: you you've just done that joke that people that that that, that famous stand-up joke where uh, some people go people go yeah people always ask you um do you remember where you were when JFK was shot? And weirdly enough, I do. I was on the fourth floor of a book depository in Dallas, (laughs) Texas.
2: So you see, I thought they were being snide about, oh, I don't even know what I thought, but I thought she assassinated the uh, president of the United States and it took me a really long time to shake that off.
4: (laughs) But he's kind of a weird dad and and Veronica's parents are almost like they're catatonic... um, Sort of sleepwalking through life. They reminded me some of the stuff with the parents reminded me of Donnie Darko a little bit. I think I think that film took a bit from this in terms of those strange relationships with the parents. And also, Dan Water said that he was sick and tired of the parents being responsible for how the kids behave so much in teen movies. He said when me and my friends were teenagers, we didn't care about our parents. We didn't talk about them. You know, well, mm-hmm. we were so we were so self obsessed that they were an irrelevance. And that's why he that's how he wanted to sort of pitch the parents in this film. Um. We meet an old friend of Veronica's, Betty Finn. And this is a bit of an inside Mm. joke if you're American, because Veronica and Betty are the two characters in Archie Comics, which are big in Riverdale, the two most famous friends. But actually, if you look at their last names, they're Sawyer and Finn. So they're based on Tom and Hutt.
2: Oh, okay. An in-joke that
4: we can appreciate outside of America.
3: Yeah, thanks.
4: Um, Martha Dunstock, or who they call Martha Dumbtruck... um, who still hasn't spoken a word yet in the film, uh, who's who's bullied throughout, this is the moment when she walks into traffic. And then I don't know, I feel like it's a bit of a bit off here where Veronica starts becoming emotional and moralizing to her parents and and um I guess she has to see the error of her ways and what's happening, but it doesn't I feel like it doesn't ring true with the black humour of the rest of the film. What do you I guys think it think? was just
2: an opportunity to like shoehorn in, but fine. Like some really brilliant dialogue exchanges. Like when Veronica's like mourning to her mum that all teenagers wanted to be treated like human beings. And the mum says quite rightly, like the time, so something like the time you whinge the most so is exactly when we treat you like human beings, which is totally true. Um, And then Veronica says, "Oh, I guess I picked the wrong time to be human." And her mum says, "Oh, you'll live." It's like that's really, really clever and really like on point.
3: Yeah, I do. I'm just on the Martha uh, dump truck. like, like, I think she's really good. Um, uh, she was uh, the the actress who plays. Her, I think it's Carrie Lynn. Was um, I think she was a stand up uh, when they they found her, and there was an interview with her, and she's just really honest. She was like, I think most of why I cast was uh, why I was cast was that I looked the part. Where else are you going to find another four hundred pound young person? I think I came out of the womb beast. I had no friends. I was Martha Dump Truck in real life growing up in Beverly Hills, and now I've got therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But um, uh, Dan Waters says uh, there was an ending that he wishes he'd fought for, although I think he might have been joking, but it sounds like quite an interesting ending where he wanted uh, Martha Dump Truck as uh, Veronica starts talking to her, pulls out a knife and stabs her and says, fuck you, Heather. (laughs) Veronica (laughs) is on the ground laughing with a knife in her stomach saying, my name's not Heather. My name's not Heather.
2: (laughs) That's brilliant.
3: (laughs) Right?
4: Um, And then we're into the finale. So uh, JD wants his, uh, he wants to infect his generation, his Woodstock for the 80s and that he does by, um, blowing the school up while there's a pep rally happening in the gym um he's got everyone to sign a bit of paper that's kind of like their suicide note collectively um he talks he he, he um but veronica confronts him um shoots him uh, in and the finger shoots off his middle finger is his favorite finger
3: um <laughs> yeah. I really yeah. I that upset me when I watched it um as a kid. I was like, what's happening to JD? Why doesn't he shoot her back?
2: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Take his <Yeah>. side <laughs> ten
4: years
3: old. Ten years old. <laughs> uh
4: he, he dons a suicide vest and walks out of the school and blows himself up uh away from the school rather than underneath it. And uh we get a very It's a weirdly happy ending, I think, where um, Veronica invites Martha to her place to watch movies and Martha says, I'd like that. And we're at the end. Uh, There were some alternate endings. Uh, Alex has already mentioned one. I'm going to talk about a couple of them in the bits, actually, because I've got a couple of quotes. But, um, yeah, I mean, it didn't test very well, (laughs) this film. Uh, One person (laughs) wrote on their card, these people don't know if they're making porkies or blue velvet. Which I think is quite funny. Mm.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> get that, get that person back. They're a great <laughs> test audience member. They've got a reference. They've got references that extend from Porky's <laughs> to Blue Velvet.
4: Well done. Um, in Europe, this film had a different title, which surprised me. There's a trailer on on the Arrow Blu-ray, and I watched the trailer, and it had a, it, it had a different name um, at the end. So it's called Lethal Attraction all across Europe. Oh, wicked, because they wanted wicked. to cash in. Oh. Um, Lethal Weapon had been two years before, on Fatal Attraction, a year before,
2: amazing. <laughs>
4: um, they they had a the, the first cut was three hours long. Along, uh, John uh, Dan Waters rather loved it, um, but of course they cut it down. <laughs> and the next cut of, course of it, he did.
3: <laughs> he wanted half the movie to be the canteen scene. He was like, <laughs> brilliant. That'll do. Uh, the next
4: cut was uh, he thought killed the film. He sent a letter to the editor, calling it a bigger dog than Digby. And he said, I haven't seen Cutting That Bad since Bianca's Stomach, which is a reference to the Manson murders. Jesus! So Dan Waters is a very dark human being. Um, <laughs> but although it wasn't a big hit at the time, it has become um, a hell of a cult film uh, in terms of, I think, the way it's influenced films. I think you look at the Coen brothers and Tarantino the, the humorous approach to, to violence that they take. I think this is one of the first times you saw it that sort of uh, brutal um, in a film and played for laughs. Um, yeah, and, and uh, I was going to say one connection between this film and Mean Girls actually is that both the lead actresses, um, their careers sort of went, hit the rocks a little bit after this and they both spent a long time trying to get sequels off the ground. Um, to their respective movies. So um, I asked Lehman about a sequel, and he said, we talked about it. I think Winona, more than anybody, had an interest in doing a sequel. She really liked the idea, uh, but we never really figured out the right way to do it. Winona suggested taking it to Washington, D.C. in the world of politics, which we thought was good, but we never did it. We just never got around to it. But I don't know. It feels to me like a film that doesn't need a sequel. I think anything you do can only, you know.
3: That story about the sequel is... um... It's a funny one. It sort of sounds a bit like Michael Lehman and Dan Waters just kept winding Winona Ryder up because she was really keen on a sequel, like you say. And um, and it was it, like Dan Waters actually says, I came up with a crazy cockamamie Heather's 2 where Veronica becomes a page for a senator named Heather played by Meryl Streep. Uh, the ending is her assassinating the president and getting away with it. Um, and then Waters says, I told Winona about the idea without any more elaboration than that. And a year later, I hear from her saying... So I talked to Meryl and she's in.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, yeah, but it
4: has had a life uh, in terms of there was a, a musical that played off Broadway, as you mentioned, in 2014. And it was in the West End in 2018. It sounded like it, it lacked the bite of the film and the, the reviews were pretty mixed, but it won, it won an award in London for the best new musical. And then there was a TV show in 2018 that was pretty um, controversial, it was it was delayed airing due to a high school shooting in america and then very sadly had to move to another network because there was another high school shooting for it's about to air uh they cut and edited it due to the material there in because these shootings happen so frequently uh and so the 10 episodes got cut down to 9 while they took out some of that insensitive stuff but it got really really horrible reviews i've got one from the daily beast here and it says um if you believe that kids these days are fragile snowflakes that political correctness is running amok and that lgbt people are now society's true bullies this new heathers is the show for you the premiere of the rebooted cult classic takes place in a universe where the football team is oppressed and yesteryear's fat, queer and black victims now rule the school with manicured fists. This show feels like it was written for ageing Fox News viewers who get angry about people's gender pronouns.
3: Jesus! <laughs> so it sounds wow. like they
4: completely missed the point of the film.
3: Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> um... Is it wrong that I want to watch it now because of how fucking mental that sounds? Yeah, it sounded like it
4: was it was a, a version of Heather's for Donald Trump's supporters, which is
3: yeah, that's a thought, isn't it? <laughs> but 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 who goes? Who goes? Who goes? Right, we're looking for a movie to really uh, really celebrate conservative values. Um, what's that movie from ages ago? Heather's. Yeah, let's use that. <laughs> Just why, why, joining those dots. What are you doing?
4: Um, so yeah, that will that was supposed to be an ongoing series, but it got cancelled. Um, so that's Heather. Should we do the bits?
3: Yeah, let's do. I don't know why I'm coming up with a new theme for the bits section. I just meant let's do the bits. Well, you, so, you, so you sound keen, Alex. You do? So
4: do you want to do your oh. favourite scene?
3: Uh, yeah, I oh, will start with best scene. Okay, uh, best Always scene do. is. Yep, yeah, uh, we start with MVW normally, but okay, best scene this Babe, week. Babe, we don't. We, I go. just, I
2: can't, I can't let that go. We don't, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, I wouldn't normally throw you under the bus like that because who cares? But <laughs> it's the thin end of the wedge, Alex. We don't.
3: So do you know? Rat- do you know you what? Know, do you know? Let me just tell you what I feel like right now. I feel like the football team in the TV version of Heather's. Uh, so maybe stop oppressing me. God, the thought yeah, of, the thought of you in a football team just makes me laugh. Go on.
1: <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> Oh,
1: um,
3: <laughs> while we're on the subject of football, um, uh, uh, "K Surah Surah," the song that this film ends on, um, uh, covered by Sly and the Family Stone, uh, I believe that's a football chant, isn't it, Chris? Uh, don't they use that when teams are on their way to Wembley? Yeah, exactly, K-sura-sura.
4: exactly. Yes, <laughs> <Do
3: they?
4: laughs> yeah, it's "K Surah Surah." Whatever will be, will be. We're going to Wembley. K Surah Surah. So yeah, I so very maybe, rarely, I very. Ra- <laughs> <good>. <laughs>
3: I'm just saying that it maybe uh, it's not uh, not that difficult to believe me in a football uh, team right now because I I knew a I knew a song uh, that football team fans football football team fans uh, as I believe they're called <laughs> sing.
4: Alex, what's your favourite scene which we always do first?
3: <laughs> uh, my my favorite scene. I mentioned it already. Red Heather, Heather one's death when she drinks the Drano and crashes through the coffee table. Um, uh, it's uh, it it was back then as a ten year old watching this. Um. As as Dan Waters, I believe, describes it, he says, I think this is the first this movie was the uh, the first experience of a lot of people for that kind of subversive, dark humor where like things are not going to happen the way you think they're going to happen. This is going to break every mold that you've come to believe a movie like this will do. And at that point I did go. What am I watching? And even this time, I giggled with excitement when it was coming up. So Heather one's death, if that's not too weird.
4: I'm going to jump in, actually, because when I interviewed Michael Lehman, weirdly, I asked him what his favourite scene was. It was almost like I knew that 18 months later, I'd be doing a podcast where that was a section that we asked that question. And he said, um, I do like the moment around Heather Chandler falling through the coffee table and JD (laughs) and Veronica writing the suicide note. I thought it was great in the script and I like how it turned out when we shot it. Uh, Vicky, what's your favourite scene?
2: It's when Heather smashes through the glass coffee table. That's another <laughs> one. <vote. laughs> Honestly, I'm not. I'm not just doing it to to fit in. <laughs> um, that's really what I thought.
4: Excellent. Um, and my own. Personal what's yours, one Chris? Is, it's something I noticed on this viewing for the first time. So earlier in the film, when they're sitting in a car, JD and Veronica. Veronica um, goes to light JD's cigarette, and with the lighter, she burns her own hand. And then, rather than help her, JD lights his cigarette on her hand.
2: Why do you like that? It's so fucking nuts. Why, <laughs> do you why like? Does, that? Why
4: does Vicky have to jump in before I finished? So, <laughs> oh, at the sorry. end of the film, <laughs> yeah, Veronica standing on the steps <laughs> with a cigarette in her mouth, and yeah. JD uh, waiting for JD to blow himself up to light her own cigarette on his pain because he lit oh. her her cigarette, his cigarette on her pain. So I love yeah. the way that, that that pays off later in the film. Yeah, mm.
3: I didn't notice. Yeah, it. your, your classic setup payoff situation there, but it's so <laughs> subtle I didn't notice it on three viewings. So no, I I I only noticed it this time as well. Yeah. Uh, M V
4: W Vicky. I've
2: got three. I hope that's all right. Number one, every single no! outfit no, worn by Winona no, Rider. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to ignore him, uh, especially the monocle. I don't wear enough monocles, that is an error. number two, <laughs> the line which I'm going to say all the time from I think it's Shannon Doty to Winona Ryder. why are you pulling my dick <laughs> I'm gonna say that constantly. I don't know how that I don't know how that passed me by um and number three oh no, I think I've only got two. Oh, shit having said all that I think I've actually only got two Good Oh no wait yeah Sh- Shannon
3: Doty herself she's brilliant okay, I finished Alex. MVW mouth valuable, whatever. She struggled with actually saying that line, Shannon Doherty, because uh, she um, she from, it came from a very, fairly conservative family and she didn't like any of the language and she didn't want to say any of the language. In fact, fuck me gently with a chainsaw was actually her line that she refused to deliver. And she really struggled with the line where she had to say dick. So uh, a little bit of a Shannon Doherty fact there. Um, so uh, my MVW is uh, the script, Water script. Um, I love it. I love the lines. Um Each of them individually taken out of the context of the story are fantastic. Um And I just love the the, the effect some of them had on me as a kid. And indeed, my favorite line uh, in my uh, MVW mm-hmm. section is actually a weird one. It's when the hippie teacher goes up to Veronica and says... Um, or whether you kill yourself or, or not is one of the most important decisions a person can make. And Veronica goes, get a job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that all the time now. When anyone goes, get a job. <laughs> uh, I love it.
4: Well, they say that everyone has a great novel in them, but I'm, I'm with you, Alex, on this. Maybe Dan Wars had one great script in him and, and it was this, because... Some of the turkeys he wrote after this, maybe not his own fault. I don't think Hudson Hawk was, was his own fault. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> but, but Ford for ah uh, is not a good script. So, yeah, I love that script. But you've, as you've gone for it, my MVW is going to be Jack Nicholson.
2: <laughs> no. I approve and, of that.
3: <laughs> and uh, and, and also, no, 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 no. To take away from your I, the Batman Returns, man. Come on, Batman Returns is a great script. I know he only sort of co-wrote it with Sam Hamm, but it's a great script. Batman Returns. Batman Returns is a great script, Chris. Yeah. All right, great. Uh, what, what, what would you change, uh, Alex? Um, okay, so I would change. I'd have the school blow up at the end, please. Uh thank you. That would be the best ending. The original ending that Dan Waters wrote. I'm like, what this is a movie that has at every turn like done something surprising. And like, what could be more surprising than to end the movie with the school actually blowing up? You can have your cake and eat it. JD can still die, but like, uh, the school needs to blow up because I, just that idea of, like, it needs to end with a prom, first of all. JD should be trying to blow them up and it should be a prom upstairs, like all high school movies, like that. whatever the cheerleaders are doing, dancing around in front of the kids in the gymnasium, don't like that. It should be a prom mm. and it should blow up and then you should see as Dan Waters intended, like I think you mentioned it already, Chris, there should be the prom in heaven that he wrote where all the kids are dead and they're having a prom in heaven. That's like, this is a movie that sort of pulls its <laughs> final punch. And yeah. I just find that I, I, I'll really, jump in actually on really that. Weird.
4: So Waters said, uh, uh, Lehman actually said as well, um, that they felt that a film that was anti-suicide shouldn't end on the hero committing suicide, that it would stop being a satire and might encourage copycats uh, but uh, Lehman said to me, and, and I'm in agreement, actually, that the ending is what you what you said, Alex. That um, He said, Dan had written an ending in which JD blows up the school It ends with a prom in heaven. That's the ending that we tried to get made. That was the ending that was in the draft of the script that went through the works at New World Pictures, but they wouldn't do that. And the idea at that prom in heaven, um, Alive and Kicking by Simple Minds would be the song that was playing, which I okay. guess that ties in with Breakfast Club a little bit, doesn't it? Um, yeah, Martha Dump Truck would be singing opera, and that they'd all be hmm. drinking our uh, blue punch, which is the drainer. So um, it
3: would have been it would have been great. I heard the same thing. It was a studio that said absolutely not, which is like, Ugh, but like <laughs> you know. And then you you could even have you know he, like Heather one red Heather there, and she's not a bitch anymore. Whatever. It's it's a better end, uh, and not it ends in such a low key. JD just blows himself up, man. I don't like it. Thanks. Vicky, what's your change, if any?
2: Well, I think it should definitely end with a prom because I'm a real sucker for like end on a dance or end on an event or a show and, and, and a prom. And a prom is such a rare thing because I know that you in UK high schools, I think they have proms now, but we definitely didn't. So it was always like a really rarefied experience. Um, but Veronica and Martha should go to the prom together and with Martha as her date and they should both look amazing and have a brilliant time.
1: Oh, and girl then power, it girl up. power. <laughs> you know.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Is that touched a nerve for you somehow? Oh. You want to look inside yourself,
3: oh. do you, uh, Chris? Do you want to come round and shoot my TV with me? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> Better than so you hanging can't out. Come with...
2: out of this well. <laughs> Better than with hanging, hanging out, with... out with what? With burn Self... your bra over here. Shut Self- up, Chris. <laughs> self-righteous spice.
3: <laughs> So much- <laughs> oh wow. Oh my god. Oh. oh. oh he my wouldn't god. say it he wouldn't say it if we weren't recording remotely. You know? <laughs> I know.
2: Is this because is this because I texted you in the week and I said that marriage is a patriarchal trap? Is that what this is about? Because why do you just text me back and then we'll sort it oh, out? <laughs> please,
3: please don't make our WhatsApp group sound that boring. <laughs> That's the kind of fun we have. (laughs) Just fucking statements from Vicky. (laughs) We then have to look up on the internet before answering.
2: I'm crying. Right, that's done. Oh,
3: dear. Oh, so that is the end of Heather's. These were my choices. Would you like a quiz? Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) Um, uh, Okay, then. So uh, the quiz this week is um, high school taglines. I'm going to give you a tagline. I've got a few for each film. I'm going to read them out in order. And from the tagline, I would like you to tell me What film it applies to They're all-American high school movies. Is that clear? Yes. Yes. Great. So we'll start with the first one. Uh, The scores are going to be written down by me. I'm on it this week, so we will have a winner. I know how competitive one of you gets. (laughs) Yeah, Vicky. (laughs) Mm. uh, (laughs) Marriage is a patriarchal trap. (laughs) Um, Here's your first tagline. There's something about your first piece. I'm gonna carry on reading until someone says Oh,
2: it. American Pie.
3: Oh, very Is good. Is the right answer? Very good. <laughs> <laughs> I was okay. <laughs> thinking about cakes in high school films. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Stupid.
3: <laughs> uh, your next one. They only met once, but it changed their lives forever. Um, Five strangers with nothing in breakfast common club. except each other. Oh. It's correct. <laughs> it is the Breakfast Club. Okay, next one. See it with a bud. Dazed and confused. It was the. Is correct, Christopher. Uh, The next one only had one tagline, which they were clearly very happy with. Sex, clothes, popularity, whatever. Clueless. It's correct. We are level pegging with only a few to go. Actually, quite a few. I I wrote too many. Uh, Okay. Uh, Next one. Best friends, social trends, and occasional murder. Oh, no. Uh, Heathers. It's
2: correct.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, The next one is uh, quite easy. Very famous. One man's struggle to take it easy. Easy, eh? Risky business? Nope. Nope. Leisure rules. Right. Because life is too beautiful a thing to waste. While the rest of us were just thinking about it, Blank borrowed a Ferrari and did it. Ferris Bueller's Day tra- Off. It's <laughs> oh, yeah, correct. <laughs> oh. Okay, so it's 5-1? No, sorry, I wrote V down next. So it's 3-2. 4-2, uh, sorry, to Vicky. Um, welcome to Girl World. Mean Survival is Correct. Here's a, here's a tough one. Grease is the word. Grease. <laughs> Grease. <laughs> got the point. <laughs> I knew that one. <laughs> okay. Um, may the best moves win. Winning isn't everything. It's oh, the only Bring thing. Bring it on. Is correct, uh, Victoria. Uh, I think we found your niche yeah. and your final movie. Uh, so it's one, two, three, four, five, six, three to Victoria. Let's see whether this one changes things. Spoiler: it won't. If you liked scary movie, we don't give a shit. They served you breakfast. They gave you pie. Now we're gonna stuff your Not face. Not another teen movie. Is correct. Uh, <laughs> never, never seen it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, victoria well it's very good actually and i didn't realize it's chris evans captain america in it congratulations victoria Yay. how are you feeling i feel amazing thank you <laughs> <laughs> great uh, Right, just before we say goodbye, um, you can obviously get in touch with us as always on Twitter. At ClashPod is where we are, loads of extra bits and pieces about the show, and indeed where we post our clues to next week's show. Uh, you can also get in touch on email show at ClashPod.com. Christopher, you have been monitoring our email account. Tell us more.
4: Yes, I had an email, received an email that I liked, so I'm going to read it out. Some of it from Kirsten Young. She said, um, I love. Tilly trivia and I don't know how Alex can keep up that energy and enthusiasm and I love how Vicky is both your moral compass and also the bad kid
2: (laughs) (laughs) that is so brilliant (laughs) she also said
4: she loved your laugh Vicky but everyone says that in every email so I left that bit out
2: oh thanks for reading that out because you didn't have to and you could have cut the nice bit off about me and I would never have known Uh,
3: (laughs) we
4: also we also love those reviews on iTunes and uh, Ash 1984 uh, and his reviews or her review said uh, the three are so funny together there is banter between them and it's clear they are good friends which makes this pod work so well Um, (laughs) how wrong you are Ash how
3: very very (laughs) wrong (laughs) <laughs> unfortunately yeah. wrong yeah. It's, it takes it out of us every week trying to like each other um, no thank you very much for those comments uh, let's move on to next week's show um, Chris they're your choices next week would you like to give us a clue so we may guess certainly Alex uh,
4: your clue for next week's films are nice planet we'll take it that clue <laughs> is nice no. planet we'll take it
3: that's good. I like that. I got, I mean, I, I think I might know that one already. Um, lovely stuff. Thank you very much, Chris. Nice Planet will take it, is the clue. We will be back on Thursday where we are going to go through Mean Girls led by the wonderful Victoria with just the best laugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you. Um, if you do uh, have the time, please do rate and review us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is useful and appreciated. And you guys are the best. Speak to you on Thursday. Bye bye.
1: This was a Stakhanov production.